irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to Top Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tahir. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. The mission of my show, as some of you may know, is that my intention and goal is to change consciousness one conversation at a time. Each week, I highlight a particular guest doing something in the mind, body, and spirit realm that is of significance to our emotional health and well-being. And in just moments, we're going to be with my guest. Before I tell you more about her, I want to acknowledge today, I feel like is a significant day with the Mueller report coming out. And for myself personally, I'm in New Orleans and received word before coming live on the show that the city is under a tornado watch, which is very unfamiliar for us. I am a native New Orleanian, and we are certainly used to preparing for hurricanes. It felt kind of scary to see the word tornado on my computer. So I have said a prayer for my city and neighborhood for safety and wellness, and that whatever storm is approaching just blows by without causing any harm. And I just want to acknowledge that um, publicly, since I'm, I'm feeling a little nervous, more so than usual. So I would love for you all to connect with me as my listener through my website, which is NOLA Therapy. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy.com. You can register your email to receive updates that I send out periodically about guests and various topics on healing and well being. On social media, you can find me under NOLA Therapy on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, on Twitter, and my YouTube channel is NOLA Therapy. I post all the shows in in all of those places. And if you have enjoyed my show, I want to thank you for supporting me and ask that you do support me through the crowdfunding campaign I have with Patreon. And that link where you can learn more is patreon.com forward slash all Things Therapy. And I just thank you for tuning in each week. It is one of my favorite hours of the week to spend with you as my listener. So my guest today is Rabbi Cantor Judy Greenfeld. She is the founder and spiritual leader of Nakshan Minyan Synagogue and Religious School in Encino, California. And we're going to talk about a lot of really beautiful things that she contributes to our world today. She is, first of all, the co-author of two books. One is called Minding the Temple of the Soul. The second book is called Entering the Temple of Dreams. And these two books highlight a new approach to Jewish prayer through movement and meditation. And you don't have to be Jewish to read these books. They are a way to start your day and a beautiful way to end your day. And um, so don't tune out if you're not Jewish. Her work applies to all of us who want to take a spiritual approach to our lives. And her synagogue is about having a place for you to grow and, and learn together in community. Um, let me think. Rabbi 
Cantor, Judy also teaches classes to women. We're going to go over that. And I just want to welcome you, Rabbi Cantor, with taking your time out today to be with us. Thank you. What a beautiful introduction. I really appreciate that. Oh, you're so welcome. um, (laughs) My pleasure. Yeah. How are you today? Yeah, I'm honored to... I'm very good, and I am just sending you prayers so that you are nice and centered in your in the middle of your possible hurricane too. Because I think that that is more than anything what we need is that ability to center ourselves. And Thank try. you. <laughs> and Thank it's you. Not easy. <laughs> I receive that. I'm glad to have you on the show. I feel at peace talking to a rabbi Cantor <laughs> when oh, I was good, feeling good. a bit of anxiety, being that you incorporate spirituality in all aspects of your life. And I wonder, where would you like to start with us on on this topic? Well, I love this topic because I think that it's all organized, and I love how you unified and brought the idea together of really monotheism and um, what we've learned in our society growing up, what constitutes religion. And unfortunately, the spirituality aspect of it got lost along the way, and it's been my mission to bring it back. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by spirituality is a way of connecting with that which is greater than yourself, and also to find that place inside of yourself that is greater than yourself. So that's a confusing thing for some, but... I know that when we are filled with spirituality, we're filled with our better self. And I think that is not always achievable to understand that to be your best self is to make mistakes. But I think that feeling of love and compassion and gentleness, really, because this is a spiritual curriculum. Our lives are a spiritual curriculum. And so this is the kind of thing that can apply to any of the... um, any of the religions, because we're all based in the same root. And I think deep down, that's what religion really wanted to do, is unify, not separate. I I agree with you, and I like how you said that. I'm curious how you might, Rabbi Cantor, approach a, a person who is looking to find some peace, they might be upset about something, their their life might be in a state of, of somewhat disarray, and what if they don't have a spiritual perspective or belief or, or say, like, I don't believe in that. I'm curious how, if people have come to you like that and how you might work with them. That is most of my congregation, I have oh, to wow. say. And probably, okay. <laughs> yeah, they would like to hear something really good and different. Give me a good reason to believe. Yeah. Where, where, where I start with people, and you know what? I was the same way. I come okay. from that. So I really appreciate the doubt, the doubters and the ones who feel cast aside or can't really find spirit and maybe even are sarcastic about it. I find yeah. that that we have a lot of that going on, especially when things aren't going our way. What I say to them is, what do you believe in? What do you, you know, what do you really believe? I start there because I think that we have to start with what is already there because you people who will say, you know, I'm an atheist. I say, you know, well, do you believe in sports? Do you believe in nature? What, what are the things you believe in and why? Um, like do you that. believe in the sun coming up every morning? And what if that is an aspect of God? You know, what if the very creation of that is an aspect of God? And it's usually the old belief that God was this man in the sky that punished us or, 
or rewarded us, you know, that is a, I think we learn that from, you know, in a child, which is important to say, Santa Claus, you know, in the tooth fairy, those are important steps in development. But most people have a, I know in Judaism, they're vermin, they will leave, and they only have a great knowledge of what Judaism is. So they have developed those more mature and more, this, I mean, God has 70 names or more. And so there's so many facets that explored about what this godliness is. Yes. Rabbi Cantor Judy, pardon me for interrupting, but the connection is a sure. little bit sketchy. Are you in a place with good reception? You are coming you in and out. Is this better? Yes. Is this better? Yeah. I okay. want to make sure everyone can hear what you're saying because of its value. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So when you approach, when you would respond to someone with that, what do you believe? Which I like because you're starting with them and assessing what... Yeah is a meaning and value to them. And then when you connect it to, to that being an aspect of God, how do people usually respond? Well, they're surprised because they haven't really had that conversation where they can update a different concept of God there. You know, they didn't know God had 72 names. They didn't know that there was more, many more um, approaches and, I don't think that they usually equate the fact that you can ha- that God has 72 different names or that God can be different things. There is this sense that, well, I was told this as a kid and this is how it is. And so they're actually relieved to know that there are so many dimensions and ways of looking at godliness and holiness that is so comforting to your soul and to your spirit and mm-hmm. so necessary and to your healing, that God is a very loving force. And even if you were to look at a plant, it's vitality. It is the mm-hmm. desire to grow and to um, manifest what you're meant to be on this planet. And that's really how I, that's really what I'm trying to help guide people into is who are you and how, you know, what is it that you, what is your contribution? What is your part in this world? And be that because that's what you were meant to be. Yes. You know, you, you mentioned also that you came from a perspective of, is it accurate to say doubting or not certain of your own belief system? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you said something that's no, my curiosity. No, you're a hundred percent correct. When I, you know, I grew up con- in conservative Judaism, which is, can be, you know, in the 1960s. So there's a certain mentality, I guess there was a certain way that Judaism, and I think all organized religions were taught. And I didn't know the nuances, but I, I mean, I learned after the traditions, which I think are beautiful and like Friday night or what we, you know, the, the family gatherings around the holidays, I went to Hebrew school, certain things like that, how a feeling for the land of Israel, different things like that. But when I was 16 years old, my father was murdered. And that changed my life because everything that I thought was shattered. Mm. And that trauma really made me think, well, where is God in this? Like why I'm the youngest in a family of five. And my thinking was, why did this happen to me? Of course we would think that. Yes. And I didn't feel like the rabbi at the time said anything that was comforting to me that, you know, maybe I couldn't hear, maybe he did, but I was really 
felt lost. And yeah. I was angry at God for a long time because I thought, how he would, my father loved Judaism. He was, um, you know, somebody who was passionate about his values and what it meant to raise his family that way. Why would this happen? And so that has been a big part of my journey and my healing because I learned, I learned, I learned through actually not Judaism. I learned through a search to Buddhism, to Christianity, to um, psychology of that, uh, you know, in the sixties and seventies, I am a seeker. So I wanted to know more about, I figured there had to be more of a reason and there had to be more going on than what I can see with my eyes. And I was right. I mean, but I, you know, it's really, that does put you on a different track. Yes. And no wonder now, before we came live, you had mentioned quickly that your congregation is a place to grow. And now that makes so much more sense to me that you were looking deeply for answers and it, mm -hmm. it put you on the spiritual path unbeknownst to you, it sounds like at first. Yeah. And it also, you know, I was also very connected to wellness and um, I was a dancer at the time and I found this incredible correlation between sound body, sound mind and sound spirit. Mm -hmm. And that was really so much of what I thought was a religious experience for me and nature, which are, you know, is very, it's very tangible. It's something that you, we trust. It, it, it shows, it teaches us so much when you are you spend time in nature but there came this point where I would be in a meditation and I remember hearing a little voice inside saying to me, yeah, but you were born into the Jewish faith. So you need to at least explore if these things are there. And if they're not, then you can make other choices, but go back and let's go back with a different perspective to find out what your spirit is. And it was at that point that I began to go back to Judaism. Interesting. I went more towards a towards mysticism and Kabbalah. Yes. But people yeah. were talking about those things, and I, I could relate to that more than I could relate to basic scripture. Yeah, I noticed that in your books, Kabbalah mm -hmm. references, and and it it the books are very mystical and deep, and tradition and mm -hmm. knowledge and practice. Can you tell us a bit of how these two books came about for you? Well, that's why I'm so happy that I got I have this opportunity to speak with you because I think you're a kindred spirit. <laughs> and yes. I, I realized that a lot of my learning came through a more spiritual approach, through my dreaming, did a lot of dreaming work and a lot of healing through energy. And not and it's finally at a point now where people can talk about it and understand it. And through just more at the time it wasn't a um, traditional route, let's put it that way. But deep in Kabbalah, first of all, the word Kabbalah means to receive. Mm. But the Kabbalah of Judaism happened at the same time as the Q Kabbalah of Christianity. So the mystics were all kind of intertwined. And they realized that there was energy centers in the body, that there was different ways to connect with, you know, um, how do I explain it? The, um, You're doing great. The way, okay. <laughs> the, the, just the energy of this world and this planet and that people are made out of energy that we can't see so much is unseen. Mm -hmm. And so 
I wanted to ground that into, I thought if Kabbalah has that and that whole mystical aspect of Judaism grounded it in the, the, the text and in the scriptures, I wanted to know how they did that. How do you bring those beautiful ideas about spirituality and about energy and how do you make that sound normal and bring that into your mundane life? That's what, that's what, that's what sent me on a mission to write those books because I learned that those experiences can come through prayer. Prayer is another, it's like a telephone line to that, which you can't see to God, to the Holy. And you're bringing down into earth that, that energy that's so needed. Yes. And so, um, the, our conversation or our communication lines are prayer, ancient prayer that is not just boring and, and is there to make us go to sleep, but those yes. psalms that were written so long ago, you have to learn how to interpret them and crack them open. But that was teaching us about emotion and it, lying within those things are brilliant, brilliant connections to nature and how that affects our human um evolution, things about astrology, things about the energy of planets and moon, all of that. So I came in through that doorway, but then I spent time in seminary, obviously, seeing how those brilliant rabbis brought it down to behavior and values and how we behave in the world and how we find our higher self and don't just get weighed down by our instincts that want to to destroy us sometimes because we're human, you know, we, we just, we, we, it's hard to refine the um, character traits that we have because we are human beings and there's an animalistic part of us. You know, Rabbi Cantor, Judy, what you're saying right now about that animalistic part of us, the impulsive nature, the shadow side, yeah. I think of it yeah. when I was meditating this morning and I clicked on my app and there was a little commercial before and it addressed a question I raised yesterday in my own mind and didn't have an answer to. But yesterday I was driving and this car was following me so close and I had the mm-hmm. impulse to pull over and jump out and yell at the person. And I have never <laughs> done anything like that in my life. I have never, and I really had to hold back. And I, I thought uh-huh. later, Lisa, you could have pulled over and let them go around you. And I was like, what was that about? Like, I don't, it kind of scared me that one day, am I going to jump out and yell at someone? Like, that's not the human being I want to be. And what is that about? And I just kind of right. went to bed right. without the answer. So when I listened to yeah. this meditation app, the commercial before said, if once you start to meditate longer and more deeply, you're going to notice your shadow impulses and they might scare you. Mm-hmm. You might have the impulse to jump out at yell at someone. I mean, this commercial really mm-hmm. spoke to exactly so how, how like we become more aware of our shadow thoughts, of our impulsive nature and not, it was encouraging us not to be scared, to just notice the thought and release it. We don't have to act upon it. But that meditation puts us into uh, more awareness of what's going on in our thoughts and our emotions. Can you speak to us to some of that? Absolutely. Well, what I love is is your consciousness about it. And I wanted to say that to be a spiritual person doesn't mean you're not going to have a reaction like that. I mean, no one who anyone who's working a spiritual walking a spiritual path is just as capable of negative emotions and bad behavior. It does yeah. not preclude that you're going to be a perfect person, which I had to learn, you know, that that was disappointing. I'm definitely not a perfect person and it really humbles you. But I, that humility and that ability to say, oops, um, that's me too. 
uh, has been something that I think has made me a lot stronger. So what you you know what you were saying is actually so important because it it is scary because we do want to yes. be good. Like that's the I think that is that's my definition of God. It's that goodness that you want to be that every, you know you, you want to blossom like you know to your to to be everything. But it also is having the gentleness and the love for yourself that you won't always get there. And so to acknowledge it, and you were looking at it going, hmm, and so you got curious about it rather than pushing it away and going, no, no, I can't, that, that can't be me. And that makes you more human. I mean, that's what I really appreciate about leader, leaders who are able to admit those things, because I think that it, that is, is the part that's healing for people who aren't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. That gives them hope to know, gosh, I'm going through that. And, and this person went through it, and I think that they're fine now. And so I, you know, I've toyed with that a little, little myself is that as how much do you reveal? How much do you not reveal? Yes. But I can't help but be honest. And so yes. that's, I, I, but I do feel that when I see it in other people, if I think that's their strength, I, I feel more confident about, about doing that. And it is that, um, what I, what I love that you're saying, it's that constant attention to your experience and to your beingness that's the that's a very important thing because most of the time we tune out and we leave our bodies in a way we just tune out and we're focused on the outside world you were checking in and that was that's the most powerful thing we can do thank you it did scare me yesterday but I didn't act on it Mm -hmm. and then I felt reassured today like okay okay I do have these impulses I am human and it was humbling like man like Mm -hmm. I felt some disappointment but then I was like come on it's okay you know it'd be different if you Mm would have acted on that that would be very concerning but I just so thank you for those words that even even on the spiritual path yeah no and even if you did act on it which you might at some point there's something called forgiveness that you know a lot about, and I know a lot about, and we're going to make mistakes, and we're going Actually, I to... Have, I have that page of your book open right now, in fact, about forgiving yourself, <laughs> about asking yeah. forgiveness from another, and entering the temple of dreams. That's what I'm holding right now open as you're speaking. Oh, wow. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. So that's been a real gift to teach about. There's something interesting that I heard about this year is that the need for people who are conscious and who are healing to have moments of routine in their lives, spiritual routines, spiritual practices that, that give them an opportunity to look inside. And cause I think that's the most important thing we can do. And I notice as I get up in the morning, sometimes I'll get up in the morning and like you just start going yeah. and, or you go to sleep at night and you just fall asleep and you go oh, deal with it in the morning and 20 years ago, I wrote these two books with my co-author, Tamar Frankel, about how to begin and end each day in traditional Jewish prayer that very few people know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and these prayers, the ones that you say at night, which you're talking about, I was fascinated to find out, because most people don't know about it, the prayer ritual is called the Bedtime Shema, and Shema is a prayer of unity, uniting yourself with the all and the everything and love and with God and with holiness. But the, but the prayers before it, the very first prayer you're supposed to say on retiring at night is a prayer of forgiveness, mm. which shocked me because I think that we don't really 
you know, sure, we want to forgive everyone, but sometimes you can forgive people and then it comes back two years later. I mean, there are levels of forgiveness. Yes. And I think that, you know, I, I work with the term forgiveness because what happens is you can't start there. You have to start with, well, with resentment. You have to start things that are just feel uncomfortable, maybe mm-hmm. that you're looking at. And the forgiving is, has to be really loving especially towards yourself. And it's not easy. And sometimes for me, it's just writing or, or words, but I feel like if I do it enough and when I do it, you know, I try to practice this almost every day, it begin it becomes easier and it becomes more true. And I think of forgiving, not letting anyone off the hook, but as forgiving to God to deal with. Oh, I like that. Because if I think I'm letting someone off the hook or if I feel like I'm pushing something down, I know that's not going to heal me. Mm-hmm. But the forgiving is realizing there's nothing more I can do about it. And playing those tapes in my head is not healthy. <laughs> it's not getting me anywhere. Right. So that is the first. So think about that. If you can let that, if you can practice that at night and just for each day, you only have to take one day. The culmination of that every day begins to cleanse your day so that when you sleep, it's not tethered with, you know, psychological issues that may come up when you sleep. Yes. You know, the next prayer that you say is a prayer of protection and you're in a sukkah of peace. So you're laying down, surrounding yourself with the archangels. I mean, that's so mm, gorgeous. That's Who would beautiful. Still come? Yeah. And then the Shema, which unites you that you're never alone. And then this beautiful blessing that, so that you feel seen. We all need to be seen and you are seen by God with your authentic self as you lay down. And finally, the last prayer is that you step into the pupil of your eye. It's so, I mean, it's gorgeous. And that you have an opportunity to dream, which is what we have of our life is dreaming. And there's so much information there that we don't even know how to unpack. Right. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So 20 years ago, do you, how do you incorporate these books, your books and your teachings and your congregation and working with people? Yeah. So, you know, there's a readiness point. And I think that 20 years ago, it was really groundbreaking to talk about these things. And I, yes, it's so interesting because I, I had this feeling like, uh oh, maybe no one can really relate to this or just really spiritual people can relate to this. And so they quieted down. And in that time, I had other things I needed to do. I started a congregation. I mean, I, there were there were other things along the, my path. 
But now people are ready for it. They understand yes. yoga. I don't have to explain yoga. They understand energy healing. It's become more uh, and breathing and, and energy and breathing. points. And yeah, it's a zeitgeist. People are hungry for this now. And we are yeah. ready. Yeah. So that's what's so exciting. And I am just glad that I have my finger on the pulse of, you know, what's going on in the world and where people are at. Because now I know that this is something that people need. And a book came out a while just recently about the fact that any people who were game changers, like Beethoven or Immanuel Kant, they had to have, they, this book comes out about the routines that they had every day so mm. that they could go beyond what the norm was so they could um but they had to go back to the routine every day so that they could ground themselves and i think that having a practice that you do in the morning and i know people all have different practices even if they don't realize it but if they take a moment like i tell people in the morning before your feet hit the floor the first prayer it says is thank you god for returning my soul to this physical body Mm. and before i put my feet on the floor I say a prayer to guide my steps. Like you have to add your individual prayers. Yes. But that is probably the most profound moment that I can depend on. I can do that. You know, you have to start slow with little, little things. And if from this conversation that you and I had today, our listeners or you just had the consciousness to go, oh yeah, let me just try that before I put my feet on the floor. Let's just see if, if I can bring my higher, you know, my higher power of God into my footsteps today then I've done my job. And if, when you go to sleep tonight, you think, hmm, do I need to forgive myself for not doing enough today? Or, you know, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, yes. that's a different consciousness coming in. And it begins so, to shape our lives so powerfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where things flow more smoothly in my experience and, and things come to us with a, a bit less effort and more ease and flow. Yeah, with all the anxiety that we have today, and I, th- I mean, and I suffer from it too, that where fear will take over. And, you know, you can say, yeah, and you just have to have more faith. Well, no, I need to do some more things in order to build that strength. Just mm-hmm. like a muscle, I have to keep working it, and, it's, and I've never known it was even there. Yes. So, so, that, so I think that you also do so much teaching of that. You have that intuitive nature, and that's a gift and that people need. They need help in seeing the things that they can't see. And when you have this bit of a routine that grounds you, you also have the ability to see things that you haven't seen before, to say, oh, I don't want to just yell at that person. Obviously, where you were strong is in saying that you had that pause before you did it. If you have mm-hmm. a pause before you do something, wow, wow. Yes. And I have found that doing these prayers myself gives me the pause to not go overboard and, and to take responsibility for the things that I do that I'm not proud of and to do it better the next time. That's and all like, we get. Absolutely. And like you're saying, I, I agree that it's a muscle that we exercise, that, that muscle mm-hmm. of uh, awareness. My morning routine is I set the alarm about half an hour early to where I really need to get up. And the first thing I do, mm-hmm. I open my eyes and I just say, thank you. And I kind of just feel my Beautiful. body laying in the bed. And then I actually mm-hmm. play an Abraham Hicks meditation. And it's, oh. it's like a, it's a 15 minute and every, I've done this every morning for the last several months. And, um, 
I just lay there and I, it's a snooze, you know, so I'm snoozing, but listening to these uh-huh. words of affirmation of how we're connected and we are loved and, and mm. we cannot get it wrong. And, you know, we're never going to get it done and that that's okay. And we're adored. And then I get up and, um, start my day. And I send love through the day to all my clients and just kind of as I'm brushing my teeth and washing my face and such. And I've been doing that every morning and I've noticed my life changing with more grace as a result. Mm. Well, and I, I encourage you too that to find one Psalm or one prayer that I you will. know that does talk about the morning, because imagine then you are tapping into an ancient set of principles and energy that that was set in motion thousands of years ago. I mean, that was the whole reason that I went to Jewish prayer and I and I unearthed the prayers that people had forgotten about was because I thought what what those ancients and I'm fascinated with, you know, archaeology, biblical archaeology and all that, what they found was really profound. Yes. And we've lost our connection to that. So that's what I see as an opportunity I love the meditation tapes and all of that, but there was something there so long ago that really can still help us today. And I love that connection. I will add that. Thank you for that suggestion. I will start tonight and in the morning. Yeah. And it'll come to you when it does, but it's such a, it's just a beautiful connection back to your roots that, that I found by doing this particular work because there's great meditations out there. And that this comes and that we're already doing it. So why not give that a try? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like, I like, as you're saying, connecting to this old tradition, thousands and thousands of years and that ancient wisdom Mm -hmm. and the power that is in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was uh, something that was so important. And I think that's the reason why it's around. Mm -hmm. Like an ancient well that you're drinking from. I love that metaphor. Rabbi Mm -hmm. Cantor Judy, we will take a very brief break and come back. So hang tight. Okay. Indeed, listening is the new reading. With Audible, you can listen to an unlimited amount of books at home, in your car, at the gym, anywhere on the go. With over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from, for you, the listener of All Things Therapy, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a month-long subscription for you to try them out. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash All Things Therapy now and enjoy. Do you want to help yourself and friends find a purpose in life? Then you are in the right place and be a part of the crowdfunding campaign of patreon.com forward slash all things therapy with Lisa Tahir as she initiates a one-on interaction with inspiring authors, healing experts, and spiritual directors. Join the League of Heroes of this generation by contributing your quota between a dollar up to a hundred dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash all things therapy. Let's make the world free of suicide, poverty, depression, and in all, make the world a better place for everyone. Welcome back to All Things Therapy. I am Lisa Tahir, your host, and today we are with Rabbi Cantor Judy Greenbelt of Nakshan Minion. She is the founder and spiritual leader. And Rabbi Cantor, can you talk to us about Nakshan Minion, what that name means? Because I'm certain (laughs) there's a beautiful meaning behind this and about your congregation and what you offer our listeners. Wonderful. I 
I'm thrilled to tell you who Nachshon was because he was a prominent figure in the Torah, in the Bible. And But you have to go back to the text to read it and to see that he's there. Um, but he represents a leap of faith. Um, it's perfect timing because it's Passover, and we'll be celebrating Passover. And when the Hebrews left Egypt and escaped from their slavery, they came, we all know that they came to the Sea of Reeds, and they were stuck there, and the Pharaoh's army was coming up behind them. Yes. And Moses is praying, you know, in our minds we see that, but what we don't see is a lesser story about this man, Nachshon ben Aminadav, who was, went, started treading into the water. Some say he leaped into the water. And when God saw him take a first step, that's mm. when the sea parted. Because wow. that was a sense that we're meeting God halfway. We can't just lay there and say, do this for me. We have, it, it takes action, our actions, just as much as then God will continue on and help us in the direction we need to go. So I took a leap of faith, wow, about 13, 14 years ago, because I, I wanted to see if there were like-minded people that wanted, wow, I called it the unaffiliated and unfulfiliated. Wow. <laughs> I wanted to see if people were like me in that some of the things about Judaism was great, but the old ways were not working. And they were a huge turnoff and they were even hypocritical. And so I wondered if there, if we could create a place where we could learn more and we could challenge some of the old beliefs and where mixed marriages, people who married outside the faith and their partners could feel comfortable. Like where was the home for people who didn't quite fit into the, the, the norm. And that's what I created. Yeah. So we have so many people diverse families and situations, but the core idea is to teach the values, to teach the stories and to help people deepen their meaning, the meaning of their lives. I have to say, we build Judaism around them. We start from where they are. And if they have negative feelings, we try to show them that there was a bigger picture when they had it. Maybe they had a trauma. Maybe they were turned off by a clergy, maybe they were turned off by the dogma, whatever it was. I try to go back with them and say, what is it that turned you yes. off? Because the family part of it, it and many of the, the aspects, the traditions and the rituals are beloved. And it was some kind of, you know, usually it was something they were t- told that they did something bad or they, it, they turned God into a punisher or, a, or somebody who helped you feel that you succeeded, you know, and that is not really an accurate description of what religion is meant to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because there are structures that are needed. We need certain structures in our life that the declaration of independence is based on the Bible, but the stringency will never work, you know, and, and, and the, the ancient Talmudic scholars, Hillel and Shammai, said never go with the letter of the law that is that you can't do that we're human beings there has to be more thought and uh, you know softer ways to step into these practices i like that softer ways yeah mm-hmm. so do you see nakshan Min- minion expanding do you have that just thought just came to me because i know you have your yeah. own location i i wish there was one here <laughs> I know, I know, I know. 
I would love to see, and a minion is 10. And I started with 10 people. Uh, I was okay. told I didn't need a building. Beautiful. All I needed was the scroll, the ancient scroll and 10 people. Because there is a teaching that when there's a minion, when 10 show up, so does God. You know, it's a magical mm-hmm. number. And so I, that's how I started. I started in my home. And we are in actually a storefront that's on Balboa. It's in Encino. And so we just really have a, a, um, an awning outside of our place. But we teach that just like the ancient ancestors, we travel and that we create our sanctuary around us. Mm-hmm. So I have people who do, I do about 100 bar mitzvahs. And I've done hundreds of bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. And those ceremonies are done where people are creating their own sanctuaries, whether it's in their home, if it's in nature, even if it's in a hotel, they create the space and make it holy with their presence and with their, with their intentions. And I, and that's our life. We have to have a portable sanctuary around us all the time. So that's a really important thing. Plus, to have a big building in this day and age just doesn't work. Then you're spending all, all, all your time fundraising, which I don't want to do. So our walls are definitely rented. I mean, we still have spaces, but they are, our walls are our program and we have innovative programs and we have, a, 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 you know, all the time we're, we're still creating more programs around our community. I don't impose programming. I get a feel for what people are needing and wanting to explore. Yes. And so that's how we operate, which is very different. But I'd love to see, uh, I'd love to go online and be able to have a minion online. And I see us as being able to have these, uh, these groups in different places. And maybe we come together once a year. There's and nothing wrong with that. That's Yeah. So, yes, I'll put that out there. I I hope it happens. And online and what we have going on with our technology makes a lot of that possible. And, you know, Rabbi Cantor, Judy, I don't want to miss asking you this before we're finished today, because I when Mm -hmm. I was doing some research on you, one of the things I wasn't sure what a cantor was. So will you tell our listeners what a cantor is? Absolutely. When you go to a prayer worship service, you'll see it led by somebody who sings. And you'll see a rabbi and a cantor. The rabbi usually does the sermon and, and does the speaking. And the cantor sings the psalms or the different prayers. And I was a, I'm a singer, and I was attracted to the music at first. And a cantor does this, has this, almost the same program as a rabbi, except we learn about liturgical music and how music formed around religion and religious practice all the way back from the time of King David. There's, there's the song of the sea in the Torah with Moses songs and dances that we can't hear, but we know it is kind of poetic. And even the Torah, the Bible, the Hebrew words are sung in a type of sound that sounds like a Gregorian chant. Mm. And so you have to learn all those different chants for the different scrolls. And Here's where, it, it, here's where something is interesting, and you'll appreciate this in the few minutes we have left. It's a vibration. It's a vibration that it, it's more than the words. It's more than the Hebrew. I think that it's a, when you think about touching one's soul, 
the reason why people will cry or be touched through music or unified through music is that's one of the different ways that you can feel a connection to God, to holiness, to a people. So that's where I started. And then years later, my congregation was growing and they didn't like any rabbis that I brought. And the school that I went to said, you know what, you could, you could be the, a rabbi as well. And this is a new, this, this is new and coming That's for wonderful. people to be both these days. Yeah. You know, I learned from you in one of the interviews I heard you give about Gregorian chant, which I've always loved. It feels so mm-hmm. soothing. I didn't realize that mm-hmm. it's based on vibration. And you were talking about that. And it, it makes yeah. so much more sense of why it is just so like a lullaby to the soul and spirit. Yeah. And so much. I mean, this is an unexplored part of of the cantor, the cantor, which I have always been aware of, is why we don't speak those holy words because they are meant to elevate us and that and if you even if you look at the modes or if you look at the scale if it's in a major or a minor it's all done to to touch you in a different way to touch your nervous system so that is so beautiful to me and people now who understand chant and who understand how music affects the the soul and the psyche now we can understand those things Mm-hmm. And the last question I have to ask you is in researching you, I discovered that you're known as the wellness rabbi. And I'm curious how that came about for our listeners. So I had explained to you that I wrote those books years ago. Yeah. And I, before that, I was, and I still am, very much into the connection of the body and the mind and the soul. Uh, having been a dancer, having been somebody who was in the fitness world, I saw what would happen to people, how different they became when they began to feel more control over their physical bodies, not just for body beautiful, it was much deeper than that. And so, and I also realized how the body can hold trauma and how breath can release it. And all these things became so apparent to me. So when I began to want to express myself more spiritually and more in a professional way, I evolved into becoming a cantor because I saw, you know, the voices movement and I saw all these correlations. And I, to my co-author, I said, where was the body practices in Judaism? Because there's Mm -hmm. some in Buddhism. There's, you know, why don't they have anything? And she said, well, they do, but it doesn't look like a physical practice because you see when people are praying, they are swaying or yes. they have different, you know, they step backwards and forwards. It's it's yeah. more, it's it's very small. You wouldn't necessarily notice it, but there were physical practices, but not, um, you know, there's fasting. There are different things like that, but it wasn't obvious to me. And we wrote these books to shed a spotlight on that and to create a spiritual practice and movement to the prayers so that you could understand what they meant. Because once you began to move, you were actually creating like in the morning, the prayer says you create a tent of, of a tent around you, like they did in ancient times. And the mm-hmm. tent is really your aura. It's really to set you up and you're protected. And then at night you have a sukkah around you. These were the ancient dwelling places. And you have to remember that they represent your sacred space and that not any, everyone can come into that and go out of that. So there's such a depth. And um, I, saw those correlations, but I also 
didn't have the platform to really teach. So that was what catapulted me into becoming a, a cantor, then a rabbi. And now I'm realizing that there is this ability to, and a platform to talk about it, like with, with people like yes. yourself yeah. that can appreciate it. And I, I don't know if I'm the wellness rabbi, but I, this year we really went on a, um, we really pushed people looking at the connection between medicine and religion and psychology. And I brought in doctors and I brought in psychologists and I want people to know that when they go to temple, that if they feel bored, there are other ways to step into this and to appreciate it. I and love that, that it does create a wellness for many. Yes. Reasons. A holistic point, a holistic exactly. approach. Right. So Rabbi so Cantor, yes, no, go ahead. You first. And then I'll say, no, but so so by by calling me that, it was tr- really trying to call in other people like yourself and wellness professionals to to create a platform where we can come together and talk about it. Yes. And lastly, how can listeners reach out to you, learn more uh, online to find out about Nakshon Minion? That's a great question. I am going to encourage anybody who feels that they relate to this or want to know more. Our website is www.nachshon, N-A-C-H-S-H-O-N-M-I-N-Y-A-N.org. Nachshonminion.org. I know that's a mouthful. And we are located in Encino, and our office number is 818 818- Seven eight nine seven three one four, and if you want more information on our programs, our classes, a way to come in and just say hello, or that you loved what, what you heard and want to know more, yeah. please call. And we would love to have you join our community, especially for the high holidays, for our services, to really absorb all of this wonderful approach to, and spiritual approach to Judaism. And I'm going to have your website on my show notes and on on every place the podcast will be so people don't have to memorize nakshonminion.org. I know you're also on Facebook and Instagram at nakshonminion. So I will have that as well available to people when they listen to the show. Thank you so much. It's really been a Thank pleasure. you for today. I feel wonderful yeah. talking to you. You're yeah. such a gift. Thank you. And I look forward to speaking again soon. You're welcome. Me too. Have a wonderful day, Rabbi okay. Cantor Judy. You too. You Thank too. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 That concludes our show for today with Rabbi Cantor Judy Greenfeld of Nakshon Minion. Please listen in next week as I bring you another guest, and I'm sending you all so much love and appreciation. Have a fantastic afternoon. Bye-bye. Listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.